Good evening, everyone. This is Cliff Roy, the pastor of Restored Connection Church. I just wanted to welcome you to this Bible study that we have tonight. I hope that you have brought an ear to hear what God has to say to his people. Tonight's topic is your appetite, your problem. Enjoy the message. D'Angelo texted us uh, yesterday with the forecast talking about Gumbo this weekend, right? It's our season. <laughs> it's there. I think that's going off the way. Yeah. So let's, uh, oh, let's... I was just about to say, I haven't had Gumbo with you guys since 2016. We'll be doing it soon. We're going to be doing it soon. Doing it soon. We'll be here. We have everybody on. All right. Can everything start heads? All right. So the, the topic, right? The title alone, your appetite's a problem. We already know what Josh thought about. Where 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 everybody starts with start that title? All right. I don't understand. I work. And I don't want to eat it, and it's definitely stolen my problem. Yeah. <laughs> right. Your appetite, your problem. So what I want to dig in is I want to go ahead and would anybody volunteer to read the one, two, three, four, five passages on the screen? James 1, verse 1. Blessed is the man that endures temptation. When he is tried, Awesome, awesome, awesome. So, in the introduction, here we go. So, um, it's common for us to want to place the blame for our shortcomings of someone or something else, right? You know, a lot of times we look at yourself, say, how do you fix this? And then immediately in our mind, we can transition ourselves over to, well, if it wasn't for this, you know, well, that's the way my mom raised me. Or uh, uh, on the job, if the boss didn't say something, or my coworker didn't, didn't, didn't throw me under the bus. Of my kids then you get on my last nerves. You know, we, it's easy for us to find our shortcomings. We know we didn't respond properly, and then go automatically to blame something and someone. Um, here's some popular things that we hear people in church say, and even out of church, the devil made me do it. You ever heard somebody say that? My son said that. <laughs> so he's a child, and he's using that already. The devil made me do it. How about? God is trying me or testing me. Right. Automatically, right? Or God is punishing. He's punishing me. Like you're going through something pretty rough. Your attitude ain't right, but you're, you're automatically, God is putting it on me, man. God is whooping me. He's chastising me. Or we say the devil is busy. People are acting the fool with themselves, but we say the devil is busy, right? So, We've always found a way to default 
when something's going wrong off to someone or someone else, right? Somewhere it has become the norm for us to do what I call outsource our responsibility. Who's responsible for you? You, right? But when, when we realize that our behaviors are not in alignment with God's desires, it's easy for us to outsource our responsibility, put it on somebody else. But if he wouldn't have said that to me, then I wouldn't say that. So what I want to do is I want to accept the responsibility of how God looks at me because of the way I respond. We do that, right? And he mentioned, I love the fact that he brought up my son because that alone lets us know that there is childlike behavior, right? Now, I say that in a spiritual meaning because there is spiritual growth. That means that just because we come to Christ, give our life to Christ, get the Holy Spirit, doesn't mean everything is just instantly perfect. doesn't mean that. It means that now we have to almost start all over again by assessing ourselves and then we're going to analyze the childlike behavior we have, the childlike response we have. And Paul said, when I was a child, I thought as a child, I spoke as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. So he was able to identify who he was in his infancy on his lack of maturity and then knowing that at a certain point, there's an expectation I behave a certain way. So this is Paul's recognition, right? So outsourcing our responsibility leaves a problem. That's what I want to say. If someone else is to blame or something else or the devil's to blame, how much power do we truly have? Right, limited, right? But we quote things like, you know, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. But yet, when it comes down to our situations, oh, I have somebody or something that made me act that way. I got one for us on Monday. We got a grumpy attitude. We're not smiling. We're supposed to be the light of the world. And we say, oh, I'm tired. We, we cover up our bad behavior, our bad attitude by saying, I'm tired. I'm not talking about you. <laughs> it's all of us at some point. <laughs> but we, we have somewhere to go, somewhere to default to, to not address the fact that, hold on, my attitude ain't right. I need to make an adjustment, but I'm going to let you know why I'm acting like this, rather than discovering what I need to do to change. So powerless, 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 right? So here's the where I want to start at. Um, First Peter chapter 2, verses 19-23 says this. For this is thankworthy if a man for conscience toward God endured grief. Now, I don't know if y'all caught that immediately. I read a little slow when I read the Bible. He's automatically saying endure grief. Now, grief means that you lost something. It could be a loved one, it could be finances, it could be relationship, it could be numerous things, but you have to endure it. It doesn't mean that you've been stuck in it, but sometimes we go through grievous things, right? You know, I lost control of something. I, you know, I lost my position. I, I lost an opportunity. And suffering wrongfully. Now, here's the question that he asked. He says, for what glory is it if when ye are buffeted for your faults? Uh-oh. All of a sudden, it takes a hard turn and says, hold on, wait a minute. What glory is it when you did something or brought something upon yourself and now you're paying the consequence for it, right? I got an attitude on Monday morning at work and I'm tired, but I went to bed at two o'clock. Uh-oh. See, I like to do with little stuff because every time we talk about being Christian, we look at the big stuff and then we ain't doing the big stuff, we're good. But it really lies with the little stuff. You went to bed 
at 2 o'clock in the morning, knowing you had to get up at 6, and now you're grumpy at work. And I'm going to blame it on I didn't sleep well. <laughs> did you not know that you had to get up in the morning? We did, but we chose differently, right? So he says this, and you shall take it patiently. He says, but if when you do well and suffer for it, you take it patiently, this is acceptable to God. So what he was saying was, if you did everything you're supposed to do, and then trouble comes your way, and you still handle it patiently, that's what God is calling acceptable. Y'all caught that? Yeah. It kind of hits home for a lot of us. We, got, we do a lot of, we overextend ourselves and do a lot of things, knowing what we have to do, and then we complain when we're suffering based on a decision that we made. But we don't like being accountable, right? <laughs> we know we have to go and move furniture the next day, but me and Josh decide we're going to play basketball the day before. Then we're going to wear ourselves out. And so the next day we come in, we're like, oh, man, my back hurt, man. We all move this stuff. We're complaining about the conditions we're in, but yet we chose to do something the day before, right? Knowing we had to move the furniture. So he says this, for even hereunto were ye called. So it says, here's what God called you to do and how to be. Because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. So it says, in other words, Christ came to purely live an example of how to operate and how to conduct ourselves. He said, follow his steps. He says, first of all, who did no sin? So he didn't sin. He didn't do things wrong or inappropriately or out of character and out of box. He did what he's supposed to do. Neither was God found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, reviled not again. So now he don't have nothing bad to say about people, even when they're coming at him. So look at his response systems, right? When he suffered, he threatened not. Anybody ever threaten you? You know, physically or with, with status or with, with jobs or with money um, or, or, or starting mess or gossip? But look how he responded. He said he suffered. He didn't respond to me. He didn't, he didn't say, you know what? Yeah, you do that. I'm going to do this. Because some of us still got a little hood gangster in when we get saved. <laughs> what? No, don't, make me, don't, make, don't make me get that I'm saved. So Christ didn't operate that way. He says, but committed himself to him that judges righteousness. So he took his mindset and committed to operating the way that God would want him to operate which was righteous in God's eyesight, not according to your own feelings. Um, so the question at hand is this, how do you measure in your response? So the first question is, did you ensure that you had no part in causing the problem that you're in? Think about some of the things that irritated you within the last couple of days and be honest with yourself. Are you absolutely sure that you didn't cause anything whatsoever? Think about it, right? It's one of those probing questions. You don't have to speak up or answer it. I just put you to think on this one. The next one is, did you do, uh, did you meet your personal, I missed on that, right? Um, did you meet your personal objective or behavior in decision making? <laughs> You're going to fix that, right? Um, did you meet your personal objective for behavior and decision making, right? You know, you get up, I'm going to have a good day. I ain't going to let nobody move me. I'm not going to be bothered by somebody. Did you, did you do that? Or did you shift whenever conflict happened? Did you get out of character a little bit? Now watch this. This is going to hurt somebody. I ain't talking about because you didn't say nothing. I'm talking about because you didn't say nothing. 
like in your mind and in your body language, right? Because sometimes we say a whole lot, but just the way we look. So the next question is, did you speak ill of someone when they treated you unfairly? Jermaine, man, they tripping, dude. That, that dude ain't got no sense. But I was just venting, right? Oh, that's all the people that's venting, right? I just wanted to share by speaking ill of someone else. Love does no ill to its neighbor, right? And we just talked last week about who your neighbor was, right? Remember the Good Samaritan story? So that's anybody that's in a bad, injured situation. Sometimes that people's attitudes you're around is that way because of things that happen to you. But how to respond? What we're going to talk about, right? Because we were on the injurious side. But it said, if you do well and suffer and take it patiently, that's what's acceptable, God. Man, that's tough. That's tough. That's a hard one to follow. I deal with that at work. And it's like, man. Um, you might have it good with 10 people. There's that one person I'm concerned about. <laughs> that one person that got your, got your button. They got you figured out. They know how to irritate you. Like they, like they are professional. If they had a certification, it would say certified and irritating clip. <laughs> they know exactly what to do and when to do it for me to show it on my face and in my behavior. And then somebody asks me what's wrong, and I'm like, no, nah, nothing. I'm good. Right. You know? <laughs> But they asked me because they saw that something was wrong, right? So, did you threaten to respond to someone when they when faced loss? When they, when when faced with loss, did you did you did you feel like you if somebody challenged to take something out of your possession or out of your right, did you in your mind say if they do this, I'm gonna do that? That formulated a plan to get back at somebody or make them regret what they did to you? Hmm. Did you commit yourself to being like Christ, regardless of the situation? And that's the ultimate goal, what we're trying to get, right? When I looked at that list of questions and how I respond, I thought to myself, man, I got work to do. I'm good, but I'm not good enough. I understood why Christ says, your goodness is as filthy rags. Because what benefit, what benefit is it if I can treat Sarita the right way? but I can't treat Dwan the right way. What if I could treat Dwan the right way, but I can't treat Brittany the right way? I can treat Brittany the right way, but not Josh. Josh the right way. What, what does it benefit if I can't be consistent with everyone and I change like the weather every time I hit certain personalities that I don't care for? Then I'm not being like Christ because he didn't do that. He wouldn't vary between people in the way they did him wrong. Some were doing good. Matter of fact, when he sat with the disciples, he knew one was betraying him, right? But nobody knew who it was. Like, who is it? I mean, he didn't treat people differently based upon who they were. He was more concerned about who he was going to be, regardless of what was happening. To the point of being nailed to the cross, and he's still up there. Now, I don't know if I'm there yet. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. If they nail one of us to the cross right now, man, you're wrong for that. I ain't even do nothing. We would be crying out for justice. We do it in our families and on our jobs, right? The minute somebody accuses you justly, hold on, I got to prove my point. Y'all ain't going down like that. I'm a Christian, but it don't mean I got to take Uh-oh. This is getting tough, right? Tight, but it's right. So check it out. So the first verse we're going to explore, and the question I'm going to ask is, 
Let me ask you this. Do y'all want to be happy? Sing it. See, that's all song is. <laughs> so, so look, it says this. Blessed is the man that endured temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to them that love. That's James chapter 1, verse 12. So the word blessed, makarios, which means fortunate, well-off, blessed, or happy. People use that word, I've been blessed, and the question is, do you understand what you're saying? Most people say, I've been blessed when somebody gave me something, right? We call that a blessing. But really, the word of itself, makarios, means to be happy or fortunate. And I'm thinking, like, I want to be happy all the time, not just when somebody gives me something. I want to be in this state as often as possible. So the other word I want to explore in this passage was temptation. Karamos. Temptation. Now, I like where this was going. Okay, temptation is this. A putting to proof by experiment. So you mean tell me you're happy when you endure when somebody is putting you to proof? All right, got somebody on board. So the thing is, you know when you came on a job and you started quoting scriptures or you said something about Jesus and people said, oh, you're a Christian? What church you go to? Guess what comes behind that? Oh, we're going to prove it. We're going to see just how Christian you are. It might take two weeks of you being here. It might take a year, but we're going to put some, put you, the, the people are going to put you through a battery test just so you can say, I thought you was a Christian. That's what they do. You're going to go through a battery of tests or temptations, right? Now, it says solicitation, discipline, or provocation, and I like this quote, by implication, adversity. Wow. So you told me you want to be happy in the things of God, but you don't want to go through nothing. The word temptation, you see it by implication, means adversity. So you are happy when you endure adversity. You ever been happy that something was open? That feeling, that relief that comes with it, it's like a rush, like, man. You find people who start exercising, right? Oh, boy, in the beginning, it's a struggle. They're sore, they're, 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 they're tired. But as they continue to endure the resistance they're facing, over time, they start getting happy to work out. It becomes second nature. It becomes their routine, and they love the press, and then the release. I remember I hated running in the military. But once I really learned to run, it was that feeling that came when the run was over that you just, it's exhilarating. And I saw why runners, now don't get me wrong, I ain't, I ain't loving it that much, but I saw how some people who are infatuated with running, how they get to the point where they're like, I love to run because they like the end result, that, that breathing, that release, that, 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 that whole, that adrenaline rush, that comfort that comes over them, feeling like I've done something good for my body. So, we're going to get in that whole question is, do you want to be happy? That's a serious question. It seems obvious, right? Most people say yes until you tell them what they got to go through. You mean to tell me if I'm going to be happy in Christ, I got to go through something? The Bible declares that this is a suffering way. Now, notice that word suffering was very close to temptation in other passage, right? So we're going to dig a little bit deeper. So let's see. We got on board with us today. 
All right, they're muted. Must be D'Angelo. It's me. Ah, what's up, D? D'Angelo. You can see the screen. The pop one. Uh, I'm not. I'm not showing my face today. We just got home. We're not settled in yet. Now you're good, but can you see the PowerPoint? Yeah, I saw it. Perfect. Hey, sister. Hey, y'all. Hey, everybody. Hey. Cool. <laughs> so verse 13 says, let no man say. Somebody say no man. No man. <laughs> Somebody say nobody. Nobody. <laughs> well, nobody say. When he or she is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempt he any man. So the question at hand here is who do we blame for your struggle? Who do we normally blame though? God. Yeah, that's it. We blame some everybody but me. <laughs> everybody but me. Right? Somebody almost made you cuss. Almost. We got somebody to blame, right? So look, the word tempted, right? Parazzo is the Greek word. It means to test. That is, endeavor, scrutinize, entice, discipline, assay, examine, go about, prove, try. Man, did y'all catch this? He says, Whenever you're going through whatever you call somebody scrutinizing me, when somebody's um, disciplining me, when somebody's examining me, and uh oh, watch this famous thing that people say nobody can judge me. There's somebody judging you, right? He says, don't ever believe that God is doing it with evil. I like the point because God does try his children, right? We know that. We saw Job. But the thing is, when something evil is happening, we sometimes make foolish statements that somebody, God is using somebody to try me. That's contrary to what these scriptures are saying, right? Somebody, another Christian is doing something crazy and out of character, and when we say God is using them to make me, where's that in the Bible? The Bible says this, that God cannot be tempted to evil, even Tempted, he, in other words, he's not going to try you with something evil. He's not going to use some ugly stuff to try to make sure and make you fool who you are. That's not, that's not what James is saying, y'all have got this misconstrued. Because nobody wants the responsibility. How many times have you heard people say that? I've heard husbands and wives, husbands tell the wife, you're letting the devil use you. Why can't it just be her? Why can't it just be him? Why can't it just be their flesh? They're immature, undeveloped. See, we always got somebody to blame, right? So the question here is, who's responsible for the evil things that people do? Now you have to answer that. Who's responsible for that? Hmm? The person, right? Whoever do the evil is responsible for the evil. Now I'm talking about Christian folks, right? Other Christian folks. Y'all still believe that God using them to try you? That'd be contrary to what this is saying. But how does God try? What are some ways that God actually tries? Let's really dig in. When God is deciding for us, because it says he don't tempt us with evil, right? 
That's what he said. He's not going to use foul play to try us. God's going to use some natural things. Like, for example, our house flood. That was not evil. That was a natural disaster. That right there is trial. How y'all going to handle this? See, there's some things that come in our lives to prove and develop our character. But our problem, we call up in attitudes and blaming people and even God for it. See, here's what I'm getting at. Even if you say there was a devil, when you read the book of Job, who gave the devil permission? So somewhere along the line, you're implying that it's still God. Now, we know the devil do some things, but how much credit and power do we want to give the devil? I hear more people crediting the devil for what he's doing than crediting Christ for the power of come with him. We stuck. James is trying to get us unstuck. Let's see. Boom. So, it says, but every man is tempted. Now he's going to the source of why you are tempted. Why you got to go through the process of being tempted. Temptation. The cause of it. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. So I highlighted two words. Lust. Methumia. A longing. Especially for what is forbidden. You ever wonder if something ain't supposed to have? What's some examples of things that we want that we ain't supposed to have? Candy, sweet, linga buddha, cracker, gumbo. So if it's not good for you, what's so wrong? Well, I mean, it's not bad. It's even divorced. He's making it right. He's trying to save his family. He's trying to leave it. <laughs> now, well, I'm, I'm going to rephrase that question. Let me rephrase the question. Is there something in your life, specific to you, that is not in your best interest that you still want? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I have high blood pressure. And I really, guys, I should be staying away from like salty stuff. But I get these moves when I eat it, and in my mind, I justify it when I take the pill. <laughs> my blood pressure look good, but I, I can get off the pills if I was this a little bit more disciplined. Bottom line, right? So the word lust is a longing for something that's usually forbidden to you, that you ain't supposed to have, that you don't need, that ain't good for you, right? So... I like this. Lust is when something on the outside creates a desire on the inside. You ever been to the store, minding your business, and then you look over there on the shelf, or you smell something, and all of a sudden you decide you want it now? You ever went shopping while you was hungry? He said, never do that. Right. You've been shopping when you're hungry before? Yeah, man. You spend more money. <laughs> what you do because your, your inward desires start saying, you know what? Ain't nothing wrong with an extra pack of little debits. Ain't nothing wrong with an extra bag of Doritos. Sometimes you open up stuff in the store. I'm going to pay for that account. You know all that cash is bad for you. But man, you know what? It's on sale. I got it with this Right. There you go. We got an answer for it. 
we don't want to deal with the fact that there's a lust inside of me, uh, a, a desire inside of me that wants something I'm probably not supposed to have. Right? I want to type the new one, but I know at this moment it wouldn't be comfortable. The tricky one. Oh. So look, the word entice, right? De la hazo. It means to entrap. That is delude, allure, beguile, or entice. Now, you got to understand the way that this works. Is that first the desire is created in us, and then the setup comes. The opportunity comes. It's right there in front of you saying, hey, just sacrifice and you can have this. It makes you feel good right now. It's, it, it entraps you, and it pulls you, it pulls you a little bit closer to it, right? So the first question I got is, are the things that you want but don't necessarily need? Now y'all probably want to like a list of things that they think about the thing. Think about everything in your mind that you want. And now go back and say, do I need it? Hmm? I got a question. How many pair of shoes y'all own? Six. Do you need six pairs of shoes? Right? Not really, right? Re in reality, we need one pair of shoes at a time. One good pair of shoes at a time. But you know what? Man, that's tennis shoes. I can't wear that with slacks. Why I can't wear it with slacks? Because that's the culture. Society says you can't. But it's a want to have multiple. Do I need a pair of brown shoes, black shoes, red shoes, green shoes? I need to match my. These are all wants, right? So because you have this want or this longing and desire, guess what you do? You spend money you should be spent. You convince yourself that, you know what? I need to buy that. We all do it. So it went from seeing something that would appease your emotions to digging into your budget, going beyond what you expected, and then at some point in time, said, man, we ain't making enough money. I'm broke. This is how this thing works. Do you ever feel like you are entitled to have something? You ever watered yourself? Man, I had a long week, man. You know, we're going to buy that cake. We're going, you know what? I deserve to, to buy me a new outfit because I've been working hard. <laughs> a drink. Some people, drugs. A little bit of everything, right? Right. Rewarding. We are into the habit of rewarding ourselves, right? Yeah. We like to reward ourselves. I deserve a cookie. We just had the scripture last week say he's a rewarder for the diligent seeking. We can make excuses for it, but at the end of the day, we love to reward ourselves for the troubles we went through. <laughs> we do. We all do it. Look, the word entice, if you notice, it begins the same way as the word entitled. Entitlement pulls you in, makes you feel you deserve, you got to have something. You have a right to it, right? What we do is we invite ourselves into things because we've been suffering. We've been going through enough, and now it's time for me to have what I want. Do you need it? Not necessarily. We don't, what, we, what we need in life? Shelter, water. food, water, clothes, 
Not a whole bunch, but just some. Uh, right. We got some basic needs, but boy, most of us, we way beyond our basic needs, man. Like we will put ourselves in a, in a bad position to try to reward ourselves sometimes. We will decorate our house, we'll buy houses, we'll get nice stuff. We get a whole lot of stuff to reward ourselves because we work hard, we deserve it, we earned it. And then we go get the extra stuff and then say, Lord, bless me. No. The Lord gave you opportunity to have a job. You made the money, you spent your money on that stuff. You blessed yourself. <laughs> so, the entitled mentality, right? <laughs> so, watch this. <laughs> so, your flesh is directly tied to the lust that you have. What you got? Just kind of about like something that came to work with, you know. Uh, I was studying uh, the, the, the CEO of uh, GE for a while. Jack Welch. Jack Welch. Yeah, Jack Welch. And he come out of his book, you know, let's say you have a goal, a team, and you have a goal. And you, you, you got to work hard and have the goal, celebrate, you know. You can set your goals, but don't confuse secular ways of being with spiritual ways of being. See, John's going to cover this later on. He says there's different types of wisdom. There's earthly wisdom, there's sensual wisdom, there's devilish wisdom, and there's godly wisdom. So the thing is, it doesn't mean that you're necessarily sinning by doing that. That's not what we're getting at. What we're getting at is, do you understand where some of your temptations are coming from? Sometimes we feed certain desires that create a burden on us to now we start to want something. Like, for example, you ever know anybody that smokes? They started smoking a cigarette, and you know what? And they got hooked on it. Now they have a desire to get another cigarette. Sometimes, I know people who own were just using the shoes as a topic that bought a pair of shoes, or let me use another topic, got a tattoo. Got a tattoo, got another tattoo, got another tattoo. And you talk to them and say, man, I just, I, I have an adrenaline rush, I like getting tattoos. Well, you know, they got sleeves, they everything tattooed, not because it even makes sense, because you look at it, you can't even make out what's on their body. They can't even, they don't even know what's on their body anymore. You don't know what's on the back of your arm, but, it just continues to pull on you. It's a lust just to get it, just to have it. And it just takes you to the next level. Above all things, you better know yourself. You better know what your flesh gets attached to very easily. Some people are addicted to money. They got a good job making good money. I got to get overtime. So what they're doing is this guy went chasing that money and they pay attention to his household. Hey, oh, he's taking care of his family. But what about the emotional and spiritual needs of his house? He's neglecting that. So it's not that you can't set goals or, or, or set a way to accomplish things in your life, but how much alignment do you have with your natural goals and your spiritual goals from God? So this is so this kind of saying, you know, why do things are hard to Right, right, right. Because sometimes we experiment. Now the thing is, before you was a Christian, you tried to do some things. You messed with some things you probably had no business. We all did. And don't think for one second that within your flesh, some of the desires ain't laying dormant. Chilling. 
And the minute you get around the right environment, boom, there you go. Flesh that. Now, I thought we'd never see this again. Man, what? And you and you start tinkering with it or not shutting it down, then the flesh starts to get a little stronger. A little, so what? Are we running from it? We hang around? And all of a sudden, you're like, man, I don't know why I'm designing this stuff, man. I'm fighting it, battling my mind. I got lust going because you've been feeding this stuff. You're trying to be celibate. You're single trying to be celibate, but you're over there listening to love music. The first time this stuff, you was good. And all of a sudden, the lyrics are playing in your head while you're sleeping. You watch some TV and you're looking at a commercial a little too long. Then you start on your phone, and next thing you know, you're on Pornhub or something. It just grows. It don't stop. Because you you were already acquainted with that, probably knowing Christ was sort of flexions. Like, what? I like to call this stuff out. I don't like to just talk about stuff. I'm throwing that dartboard. I'm hitting the bullseye. Boom. Yeah, I'm falling out. And when people understand what to look for in your life that can draw you back. When I heard that, well, you, you just mentioned um, how that whatever that temptation is, desire is, it can be lied to Mm -hmm. I've um, heard that you can uh, that God can keep like can heal that like you, you can ask God to even remove that if you don't want it in you. Is that true? Can you completely get rid of it? What I'm going to say is this. Paul said to mortify the deeds of the flesh. He said to put off and put on. Everywhere you read Paul's explanation of how to handle your fleshly encounters it was always by the effort you have to make. So you can go lay down. You're supposed to pray. Pray for the strength. Pray for the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Pray for wisdom to deal with these things. You know what? Like, for example, sometimes you got to flee. Sometimes you have to resist. Those are actual actions you take as a Christian to build the spiritual strength you need to overcome the flesh. Because the Bible tells you that the flesh and the spirit, they are on the same page. They're contrary one to another. So to just sit down and say, okay, God, take it away, and then go right back into the same environment, don't think the flesh is going to say, oh, I don't have, the flesh is programmed for fleshly things. Them things that are of the flesh are of the flesh, the things of the spirit of the spirit. Which one are you feeding? So you can go over there and you've been on crack your whole life, and then you come to church, I've been delivered, and then go back to the neighborhood and selling crack, and wait till the right trial comes up and see if you don't be tempted and say, maybe I should just try crack again. I, I remember talking to a brother, he said, look, he ain't done, he says, but I have to stay away from the neighborhoods because on my weekdays, because every day in a strong day as a Christian, some days you wake up, you wonder if you're saved. You take one of them weekdays and go back in an environment and see if that you've been delivered. Paul said, I bring and keep my body under subjection. Paul recognized that you can bring it and put it, but you better keep your foot on it. Sometimes we get a little confident, a little confident, overconfident. I'm good. I don't get some of these newfound Christians that think they can go preach in the strip club. Okay? <laughs> yeah, they're going to take all your offering. You went in there talking about preaching, now you're giving an offering on stage. So you can't put your flesh in environments that's going night and day. You can't play like that, man. So look, it says this. In verse 15, he says, Then when lust had conceived, and bring it forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bring it forth death. So check this out. You can get spiritually used by your lust. You got to understand, when I'm talking about lust, I'm talking about that thing that abides in the flesh. You know what happened? I once heard a preacher say this, and it was so true. He says, your flesh will do all the wrong things, and then when you die, it won't pay the price for everything you've done. 
your soul is going to pay for it. So the flesh is going to do it. It's going to have a good old time. It's going to make excuses and make ways. The Bible says make no provisions for the flesh. That's what it said. Don't make no provisions. Don't put it in no kind of situation where it's going to feed it or bring it back to life again. So the first thing is this. When the thing that you have been thinking about and longing for connects you the opportunity to get it, our mistakes become visible. It starts off as a simple thought, right? Once you ponder on the thought, guess what? It's gone. It's gone. You keep repeating the thought, the thought in your mind, and it keeps going, and you know what happens? All of a sudden, the opportunity shows up. When the thought or the lust and opportunity meet, all you got trouble. That's why Jesus said, he says, for a man to look upon a woman to lust after her, he's already committed adultery in his heart. He's saying, you know what, because the first chance he get, oh, what's happening? Once you got that longing in your mind, man, I mean, I'm not going to look. Man, I'm not going to look. You know what? And she walks up to you and says, hey, how you doing? Yeah, you're going to be smiling and giggling. Leave <laughs> me alone, Satan. <laughs> <laughs> The opportunity. That, that's how he's gonna be. She gonna be, you'll be lonely. I'm good. You and the husband ain't getting along. He's just gonna be smooth with it. You'll be like, why ain't got a man like him? And then on the wrong day, he's gonna show up. You the old man in tripping, and y'all gonna be giggling, talking, they see your messages on Facebook. Boom, nightmares and explode. Everybody fussing fight. This is how this stuff happens. It seems like it comes out of nowhere, but it doesn't. But the thing is this: when our mistakes become known, the part of who we Proclaim to be dies. That's the death we're talking about. You didn't allow your lust to meet an opportunity to act upon it. Now, once it happens, boom. Oh, I thought you was a Christian. Oh, you ain't that Christian. Oh, you ain't that strong. Your confidence dies. Because now you feel like, I failed. I'm not a Christian. I'm not who God called me to be. And the devil's like, yeah, you're right, you ain't. And then you know what happens? That's how people end up in backslidden condition. The devil like, y'all come on over here. You might as well just, you might as well go all out. You go, don't be lukewarm. You be all the way in or be all the way out. So you know what? Boom. Now you out. Now you're over there feeling uncomfortable with what you're trying to make yourself. See me, I was one who was in the church and backslid out of church before. You know what? When I got out, I made it, you know, I, my, I, had, I had made mistakes in my mind. I had an active one, but my mind convinced me that I was no longer there. Man, I was I'm gonna back stay back to drinking to prove that I wouldn't say it no more. <laughs> yeah, I had to make sure everybody see me drinking. Yeah, he ain't church. Yeah, I ain't church no more, man. You know, I just ain't ready. No, what I did is I had made provision for my flesh. My desires. I was longing to to accept the frustrations that was in front of me. I wanted to be angry. So yeah, you know, sometimes you're a Christian you want to act out. Some Christians want to act out. We want to tell people, peace out of mind, we want to be mad. But you know what? The Bible tells us the anger is sitting out, but we feel like when we're in environments around the Christians, we're supposed to just be, be good. But on the inside, you ain't feeling good. That's I was at a point where I just wanted to just wanted to be just scream. Just, you know, I remember being a young Christian, I didn't want to just cut somebody out. Because guess what? That's what my flesh used to do. So the minute I couldn't control my anger, guess what pop up again? My mind cussed a lot when I was a young Christian. I might not have come out of my mouth, but it was in here, which is just as bad because God hears your thoughts. <laughs> so who was I kidding? I was kidding and fooling myself is what I was doing. I was being tempted. 
because it's something that I was used to, something I had encountered before, somebody exposed myself to. You know what? Because if you keep listening to the music, it's got a lot of filth and profanity in it. Guess what's going to be in you? Whatever you put in you is going to come out eventually. That's just the facts. You can see that in little children. Let some little children go to daycare, you're like, where do you get that, that, that behavior from? It's what they've been exposed to. That is in the spirit of somebody in your flesh. So when temptation comes, it's going to pull on what's in your flesh. You can't tell us all the same things. We got different desires that have entered into us. So when temptation comes, we can all walk in the same place and all be tempted differently. All of us. We walk in the same store and I'll be tempted to buy something different. We all want the same thing. You might say, man, I like Nikes, man. You might say, I like Adidas. You say, I like New Balance. I like Brooks. So when you all walk in the store the same amount of money, watch what pulls on people. You see husband and wife in the store with that. The wife go left and the husband go right. Why? I want to look at this. I want to look at that. What's pulling them to go look at that stuff? You ever been window shopping before? For what? Like, what, what are we really window shopping for? I ain't gonna lie. Now, you know you don't have the money, you ain't gonna have it for a while. But I'm gonna look at some stuff I can't afford. What are you doing to your flesh? Eventually, you're being tempted to be depressed. Man, we could have, man, I wish we had that. You just over there looking online at stuff you can't afford. Now you're feeling down and out about how you're living. You don't appreciate what God has done. You've been tempted to not even be happy anymore. I thought blessed was the one that endured temptation. Here it is, you gotta get through the online shopping and the window shopping, but we can't do it. Oh, look at look at her hair. I remember my hair used to be like that. Oh, look at the car they drive on the truck they got. We have to use what you mean. I work hard enough. So we got all of this going on inside of it, right? And we getting tempted. Tempted to what? Now I got a little attitude because you know what? I really wish I had something better than this. Now what I'm, I'm tempted to respond to you incorrectly. I'm tempted to, to get an attitude with you. I'm tempted to shortchange you on, on the conversation or to listen to the air I should have given you. Because I'm distracted. Sin doesn't want a long-term relationship with you. Y'all know that, right? Because the problem is, what happens is that it says it's conceived. So what happens is, boom, we miss the mark. We don't have the attitude. We don't have the response. Our actions are all out of whack. We've done some wrong things. It ain't right. And in a minute, the Bible says the pleasures of sin are before a season, right? It's a seasonal thing, Hebrews, right there. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God. So you can suffer. If you're going to hang out and be a Christian and be a child of God, there's some suffering and some affliction, but it means you can't have what everybody else got. And you got to accept that. Why? Because you understand that where God is trying to take you to is going to give you everything you can possibly want to But there's a season or a time period you got to go through where you're going to be tempted, right? It says, then to enjoy the pleasures of the sin for a season. So look, the problem is, temptation is trying to make you make a pit stop. Y'all catching this? Temptation is trying to say, take a pit, take a break. Don't be disciplined. How many of y'all got a written budget? We scared to write the budget down. No, I'm talking about a budget means this is the most I'm going to spend. I'm not going past it. We're scared to do that, most of us. You know why? Because you're going to be tempted, man. I say, I spend $200 on groceries. You get your $198 mark. Man, but I need it. I want that cake, man. Now, I want that. I want a barbecue this weekend. That's just $40 more. You, you know the budget was going to keep you getting the way you want to be, but 
But temptation says, ah, oh, you can make it up. That's what we do. I, I still find myself doing it. Because temptation pulls upon your desire, the things you really, really want, or sometimes the things you ain't telling nobody about. And it's not always, the thing is, get this, it's not always something super bad or negative. Sometimes you have an objective, right? You have a goal set. But what's happening is you're allowing temptation. You say, no, I'm saving this $40. Hey, man, you want to go to the pool all this weekend? Hey, let's go bowling. That sounds innocent. They don't seem bad. You fellowship and having a good time? The bowling costs you 30 bucks. 30 bucks you had not planned to speak. That's why you're supposed to ask. <laughs> right. Keep it in check in retrospect, right? <laughs> so check this out. So for a season, right? Because that seasonal stuff gets us in trouble. So here in the end, right? I'm closing right here. Do not air my beloved brother. The thing is trying to keep you focused, guys. This is what we're talking about. It's trying to keep you focused. Once you set your goals like Jamaica's talking about, once you say this is what I'm, I'm gonna eat like this, I'm gonna, I'm gonna spend my time like this, I'm gonna save my money like this, I'm gonna dedicate the prayer and fasting like this. I'm gonna we say all these things in our mind. The minute you say that, God's gonna say, okay, showtime, do it. Then what's gonna happen? Your flesh now starts gonna pull on you to do something other than what you said. It's gonna see, do you really want this? You can tell me you're going to get up at 5.30 in the morning, but when that alarm clock off, it's testing you. It ain't evil, it's trying you. Eep, eep, eep. Okay, let's see you get up now. It sounds good. We said a lot of good things about out. But then when the short time is in, when the proven time is in, let's see. So the word air, planao, to properly cause to roam, to roam. Y'all caught that, right? And he says, don't roam around. Don't just be all over the place. You know, scatterbrain, doing whatever you want to do because your flesh says, go this way, go that way. From safety, truth, or virtue. Go astray, deceive, seduce, wander, be out of the way. The point of this whole thing tonight is, guys, there are things that you have committed to God and to yourself and to your families and to your household and your vision that you say you want to do. Temptation is gonna pull on you to see if it can get you distracted so that you never accomplish anything that you say you would. It says that Jesus for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Man, Jesus was, man, they tried to distract him every way. Peter was right there with Christ. Jesus is talking about, hey, I gotta go, I'm the son of God, he's time for me to do my thing. Peter said, be it far from you. Peter tried to say, hey, you ain't got to go out like that. And Jesus says, get me behind me, say, he recognized that he was being tempted. Jesus was tempted directly after his fast. 40 days, 40 nights of fasting, and immediately after, the, after that, temptation came. Boom. And everything the devil said numerous times, the common thing was this. This is what I'm going with. If you be the son of God, then do this. Temptations are going to always say, if you're a Christian, if you want to be successful as a say, if you want to be married, if you want to stay married, if you want to uh, get, get your finances right, if you want to get your prayer life back, if you want to get your fact, if you, if you all of that, I'm going to tip you to do something contrary to that. But guess where the main problem is at? In your flesh. Everything you did prior to Christ, 
your flesh absorb all of that. Maybe you ain't doing those things, but the flesh is waiting on an opportunity to manifest those things again. This is why you have to stay on top of yourself. Bring that body into subjection, praying, fasting, resisting, staying away from certain areas, building up your, spirit, your spiritual strength so that you can overcome those things and accomplish those things that God has placed in your heart. It's a tough job some days, huh? You're doing good. Don't let what someone else has or is doing distract you from your God-given destiny. God has something special for each and every single person, and too often we can get distracted by what's on Instagram, what the housewives are doing, what the professional athlete is doing. We see everything everybody's doing, all of a sudden our desire shifts and change. Oh, I want that. Why? Because it was advertised to us. The world advertises to our flesh, and our flesh says, yeah, I want it. And then when we start following the flesh, we end up in a bad position. Covenant after things, right? That we just really don't need, but there's a bunch of people that write books and do videos that says, here's how you be successful. Here's what you got to do. Give yourself away. Dedicate yourself to these things. But none of them are saying dedicate yourself to what God wants you to do. What God wants you to do comes from the inside, not the outside. If all of a sudden you've seen something else and you got this magical idea that that's what I want, that's what I need to do, then you might want to question that. You might want to question the relationship with God because I know when I go to my prayer closet and I get before God, he gives me fresh thoughts that are confirmed by someone or something else, not initiated by someone or something else. You have to seek God for guidance in your own life. You do. You can spend so much time looking at other people and other things that you're going to miss what God has been talking to you about the whole time. And you'll be looking down the line and saying, what happened? That's what we're talking about. Missed opportunity, right? <laughs> That's what temptation is going to do. It's going to try to pull you away from the disciplines that you need to get where you say you want to go. Any questions? Feedback. What we got? What we got? As the last slide. Simple and to the point. Hmm? <laughs> what you got, Rita? <laughs> That's real. Nah, I like the how you went in and you put the definition there. Um, one of the words I think I thought you should give a definition to, I can't even remember which one it was. Um, mm -hmm. I'm like one or like two, maybe. It wasn't one of the ones that was a definition. <clears throat> But then when he started, when I saw him doing definitions, I like that. Maybe this one. The definition for conceive. Conceive means to bring well, that that definition, like the Bible definition. Oh, the Bible. I thought I'll put it up. Let's go to James 14. Any feedback, D'Angelo? I'm just listening. I was um, in between trying to put Bailey in bed and listening. All right. So the word conceive in the Greek means to clasp, to seize, uh, specifically conceive by implication to aid, catch, conceive, help, or take. <laughs> wow. <laughs> like that definition in that sentence. And, and that's why it's important to study. 
Because when you understand what they're getting at, he says the word it means to seize. So here it is. I like that's a good catch. When lust has seized, so it's stopping you. Man, I should have put that definition there. <laughs> I just was wondering because it was just like, all right, well, if those other words had different definitions than what I thought the, def the definition was for today. Right. And it was just it conceived. So I'm like, well, oh, what, what that one is? That one yeah. has a hard sentence like this. It is. <laughs> it is. It is. So it, it means to, I like that word strong. It says seize or, in the parentheses, got arrest or capture. So here it is. You're following after Christ. You do what you're supposed to do. Temptation comes along and says, look at the lust. It grabs onto the lust and it stops you. Conceive means to, to uh, seize, which is arrest or capture, uh, or to, by implication, to aid, to catch, to help, or to take. So basically, whenever the the conceiving part is when it actually gets your attention. Yeah. When you actually yeah. was like, oh, wait, I just saw <laughs> that nice pair of shoes. Right. Man, them shoes nice. And you actually start to feed into the right. temptation is when the conception actually happens. Right. Is it in a correlation with conceived such a well, it is. Check out. It, it, most people can't piece together. Uh, the, the woman has an egg. Every month, what happens is that she has a cycle and that egg is passed off. When conception happens, that egg is not passed, so it seizes it and stops that, that flowing process from happening. But it's like, but check it out though. So it's like, you ever went to the store, I'm going into Walmart and coming out? That never happened. All the time. Somewhere <laughs> affecting or D'Angelo is at Target. So she knows they strategically place certain things in certain positions to get your attention to, do, to, to derail you from going in and out. It's not designed. No, no retail store is designed. Yep. And we actually just had a remodel. Let me tell you what they've done. Jewelry wasn't getting much attention. They put the jewelry and purses smack dab in the middle of all the clothes. I was like, hmm, clever. <laughs> right. What's chocolate got to do with earrings? It's like you got what's called, you got what's called point of sale items, right? And point of sale items is a bunch of random stuff at the counter. You know, gum, candy, soda, Bluetooth headphones. <laughs> they have no, they have nothing to do with what you had in the store for, but you sit there in line and watch this, you get bored. You know what happens when you get bored? Oh, I can use that. Things you don't need, but you want. Hey, I've always wanted a Bluetooth headphones. I bought a pair of the right things, man. They don't work good at all. But I, hey, it would be cool to have some Bluetooth headphones. That I can hang around my neck. Because the cheap ones for $9.99. It seemed reasonably priced. Didn't need it, but I wanted it. And what it did, it stopped me from focusing on getting out of the store. You got seized. Boom. Yep. <laughs> but how did that happen? The lust. The lust. The longing desire to have. I'm a tech. See, my thing is tech messes me up. 
When they got tech items, laptops, cameras, phones, that's my weakness. So I'm a, I make provisions. I'll try to find a way to get the stuff. <laughs> and you know, if I gotta trade this in to sell that, I'm I'm, I'm gonna do it. Is it necessary? Yeah. Like <laughs> You ain't gonna use it, I have to justify myself. You ain't gonna use it. See? <laughs> oh, Jermaine! <laughs> but yeah. Uh, so uh, let me do this. We're gonna finish talking. I'm gonna close out because I don't want to be too long on Facebook. So, guys on Facebook, I hope that you enjoyed this message. But we are done for the evening. Catch us on the next one. Living Room Bible Split. Peace out. Boom. Yeah, it was um is is everybody has their thing. Um you hear, you know, women in makeup. I know some guys in sports. I know some guys they they, they extra money, they get every freaking sports channel during football season, they buy all the jerseys, you know, they that's a thing. They're gonna spend the money, they don't have to, but they're gonna do it. They say we Um some parents, it's toys for the kids. Every time they go to school, they gotta buy it. Always get some. It might be clothes. Uh, some people, their 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 vehicles. We all have something that is like embedded in us that is our, our, our temp, that is going to tempt us. Um, but more importantly, what I want you to do is I want you to look into your attitude. What what negative attitude characteristics that we show that are kind of like how we were raised and how we've always been. Those actually you inherited from your mom or your dad or your uncle or your grandmother that are not necessarily good, but then when the right person comes in contact with you, it pulls on you and you find yourself responding okay. You have to really go back and say, you know what, I gotta get rid of this 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 this, this lustful experience. I gotta suppress that thing. Bring it on subjection. Uh, feedback. I have a question. Mm -hmm. When you were talking about with, um, I think it was entice. Entice? Was it mm -hmm. yeah. And how it pulls you in. And I, it's not necessarily entice for me, but I would procrastinate the mess out of some stuff. Right. So I guess my question is like, does like how do you tell yourself, okay, stop being a procrastinator? Like, just do it. <laughs> I'm so glad that you guys can say that. Yeah, it doesn't work that way. I yeah. don't know why. I know, I know. So there's no consequence behind you procrastinating. You won't know, you would like to put some, some, um, ain't nobody asked for no marriage. You put them on yourself for now. You just need help to, you know, help pushing that along and some reminders, or you know, you do like some five-hour bets or you know, five-hour five bets. How you procrastinate every five minutes after you get like. But it's it's only with certain things like right. like things that are are more structured. I'm disciplined about them, mm -hmm. but it's like when I get home, it's like the biggest procrastinator in me can come out. Stop touching my head. Why this? So you said when you get home is when the procrastination starts. How do you feel when you get home? Are you usually tired? Yeah. Right. So you feel like you got to reward yourself with a break. 
Right. And that's led by where your flesh feels. <laughs> Get out my Josh over here in my ear. Yes, just <laughs> <laughs> So the thing is, is you you have to find because here's the thing, because it's not like the old household, right? The new household, the husband and wife goes to work. We exhaust ourselves for the boss man all day long. And then we come home and when it comes to our own stuff, we're just like, oh my God, I don't have the energy to do it. And we and it's a, it's an almost natural to procrastinate. So what you're gonna have to do is you're gonna have to take and and prioritize those those things you need to do and put them at a time in which you know you have the energy to do it. Like for example, something similar like this. I am not the kind of person that can get up out of bed and pray for a long time meeting. I gotta get up. I gotta move around, clear my head, get everything going, and then once I get everything going, I can set it out and I can pray. Some people can get right out of bed, roll into prayer, and need to talk to God for 30 minutes an hour. You have to know yourself and strategically place the things you need to do at a point in which you know that I'm gonna have the energy or the desire to do. Otherwise, what you'll find happening, you're gonna procrastinate, you're gonna wait, and then this is gonna become an emergency and be forced to do it. Now you're not gonna have the right attitude while you're doing it. Or you're not gonna do it the way you're supposed to do it. Mm -hmm. So you you have to look within your life and position what you need to get done in the right place. Like I heard that one uh who was it? I can't remember who it was, says that when he gets up in the morning, he wanted to make sure he prayed in the morning, so he put his shoes way up under his bed. So it forced him to get on the floor and reach under the bed while he's down there, okay, I should be praying. And that's how he got his prayer life going in the morning. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so you you have to ask God for the wisdom to <laughs> you have to ask God for the wisdom to, 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 to figure out how to get past my shortcomings. Now don't get up on that false people under the bed. Um, the procrastination is, is a big problem for a lot of people. I mean, as, as, as productive as I can be, I can still look and say that's something that I procrastinate about. Like, hey, probably drive my wife crazy. Um, I get out of the bathroom and I'll throw my clothes right there on the floor. And I procrastinate to put them in, in, the, in the hamper. It's not like I got them all over the room, but like, okay, I'm going to put them right here and I'm going to come pick them up later. And then I get on my little thing and I do it and I just leave them right there in the little pot. And, and the reason I procrastinate is because, because of something I have to get used to. My wife has limited space. She has shelves on the counter that I need to get done. So she's got something sitting on top of I wear a lot of dark clothes. So she's got to sit on top of there. So I'm like, okay, I got to pick that stuff up. I'll just get that. I can move all that out of the way. So I procrastinate in doing it. Now, I can sit down and blame her, but the reality is it's me. I'm tempted to be lazy <laughs> because I don't like the setup. So I have to figure out, okay, how can I get my mind to reprogram? And you're going to have to use a lot of, of, of mental redirection. You've got to kind of tell yourself. Now, with all the technology, um, you may have to set an alarm to tell you it's time to do it. You may have to irritate yourself into developing new habits. you got to just find a creative way. If you don't like it, what can I do? I'm going to try everything I can. To try to get myself out of these bad habits over and over again. What you do to not procrastinate, honey? Uh, I was trying to think what the therapy I was trying to do. <laughs> like, I feel like that's my temptation. Like, that's my 
my endurance part or whatever. Right. <laughs> yeah, like I, I, okay, for an example, I hate laundry. Laundry is like Satan's cousin. Like they just go click clack way back. I don't know. And for, for like just washing them and throwing them in the laundry and doing that and putting them into a basket, mm -hmm. I'm good. But it's the folding them and putting them away. I, that's good. And Josh, Josh can come in and he can knock it out like real fast. <laughs> but he does it even better if he's upset. So it's like I gotta figure out a way to get him upset. <laughs> 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 but that won't do nothing for me. I find other people to make him upset to make it happen. But that's that's just something that it's like mm -hmm. nope. And just that part of stewardship is something that I want. To have better for Jay, because I feel like some of the things with him happen because of the structure and because of my procrastination. Right, what Peter talked to him to do. Yeah, even on awareness. Me personally, like I just I I like I like order in my house. I feel like when I have things in order, my family's in order. So mm -hmm. like when I do laundry, I can't stand for it to just sit out. Like it bothers. Well, thank you for listening in to our Bible study this evening. If you have any question or any feedback, of course, you know to go ahead and message us here at Restore Connection Church. We're looking forward to having you with us during our next Bible study session. Be blessed. Have a great evening.